Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody, welcome to the big episode twenty-five of Gamer Heroes. I am Derek. I got John with me. Yo, what's up? Welcome back. Twenty-five episodes, man. You made it. It's exciting. Twenty-five is uh, it's a big deal. It's a special anniversary <laughs> for some people out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of exciting. So this is now my third podcast that's hit at least twenty-five episodes, which that's is insane. Which is cool, and it's a good feeling. But you know. We're still kind of early on compared to our sister show, Screen Heroes. They hit episode 76 this week. So, a little I thought behind. it was more than that. No, 76 episodes. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. I feel like that's a lot. I, I feel like... I mean, it's a lot. I just felt like it was more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't know. But yeah. So anyway, what are we talking about? We, got, uh, we have some news that we're going to cover. We'll cover some news. Yeah. And then our main topic is local co-op gaming. Um, basically the state of it, where it came from, how it has been, where it's going, what our feelings are about that, (laughs) because we have those. Um, That's what this podcast is about, feelings, right? It's about feelings. It's the I feels. (laughs) (laughs) But we are going to start with some news first. Um, So first off, Atari. So back before E3, when we did our predictions, I predicted that Sega was going to announce that they're returning to the console game in a legitimate way. I know they have the little retro one with the built-in games and all that. They're working on it. (laughs) But like an actual modern-day console. And, you know, some people thought I was kind of crazy and that was really silly. Well, here's the amazing part. I was barely wrong because it's not Sega. It's It's Atari. Atari. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know. Which is even more left field. (laughs) Only a little bit off. Um, But, yeah, so they're calling it the Atari box. Um, they released a bunch of photos of what the console looks like. It, I actually think it's beautiful. I, I think it's a really sleek, beautiful design. Very retro. It, it looks like something that you would have seen in an '80s house. Oh yeah, it, I like. I was. Uh, we were just talking about it before we started the podcast uh, stream here. I from a front view, you're like, oh, that kind of looks like a PS2. A little bit. And then, and then when you look at it in a top view, you're like. Um, you can see the the triangle pyramid type thing. You're like, oh, that's 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 totally Atari. That's yeah. old school right there. A lot of love went into this design. The people who actually came up with the aesthetic, you could tell that they wanted it to be pure Atari. And what's interesting about this is that this is a legitimate modern yep. day console. It has HDMI, SD card support, four USB ports. This is modern. This is a completely modern console, but at the same time, they they're essentially going to include their own virtual console of their back catalog, and they're telling this up front, which yeah. I think is awesome. Which I mean, I don't know if they're doing that intentionally to give a little bite at Nintendo, or I if they're they just are. excited about it. Um, I love that they're doing this. I mean, Atari has, and if people don't realize, they've still been making games long since they've left the console uh, industry. So there's a lot of games out there that are Atari games that people love. I mean, one of my personal favorites is Roller Coaster Tycoon <laughs> from this century, um, more modern games. But obviously, you can go all the way back to some real, real Pong, classics. Yeah, Pong, Galaga, <laughs> you know, Asteroids. Yeah. You know, the the real staples of what where video games came from, and it's going to come in two flavors. There's going to be uh, a black one and then like a wood. Which I thought was really interesting. If I can get my hands <laughs> on the wood one. I am buying so, the wood so one. So here's my question. Is the actual is it like fake, like synthetic wood, or is this like we're talking like legitimate wood, or is this just like a skin? I assume it's gonna be wood like if you get the wood trim in a car. Right, right. That's what I'm It's like like plastic with Yeah, like it's woodish. You know? <laughs> 
Hollywood's Halloween, would like. I mean, if you're talking about retro, though, like that, I think that's as retro as it gets. <laughs> We're talking going back to like Jesus Christ time. We made this out of wood. It like it looks it looks really cool though, and I love that they have this kind of wood design because the wood edition is <laughs> is super retro. Because think about back in the '80s and even in the '70s when you had your home TVs, they were basically pieces of furniture inside these giant wooden cabinets. exactly. Or or the TVs were made out of wood. Do you right. remember the tubes had like a wood framing around yes. it? Yeah, and you know to kind of see that aesthetic return with a classic console like this coming back. Is that a really big deal? Now, for those of you who want the sleekest, newest looking thing, the black red edition will also be available and probably easier to get, I would imagine. And, uh, I mean, we don't really know a whole lot outside of that. They say it's going to have modern internal specs. I'm assuming that as well because of the HDMI, USB, and SD support. I mean, but they could just turn around and do like uh, like a new SNES. Can't talk SNES Mini type the thing because it's still it's still supporting HDMI and 1080p output, but yeah. it's not quite developed for new. So I, I'm, I'm hoping they don't do that. I'm hoping they don't do that because yeah. um, that'd be very disappointing. To they have held off on specs, and and I think that there's a, a good reason for that. They're not quite ready to tell us that they they actually gave us a lot of information in that. The last break, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, I think what's going to be really telling here is who are they going to compete with? Are they going to be competing with Nintendo as far as specs are concerned? Or are they going to be competing with Sony and Microsoft? Because as much as everybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm obsessed with my Switch and absolutely love it, you'd be out of your mind to claim that it can compete on a hardware level with the PlayStation 4 exactly. and the Xbox One. And it would cost... You know what I mean? It'd have to cost a lot. Yeah. It, it, That's just yeah. how that goes. So so it sounds to me like Switch is the main competitor here. I would think so. But there were also some um, grumblings early on that this is going to be a PC-style console. And if that's true, if the guts are PC guts, that sounds a lot more like the Xbox than it does the Switch. So well, let me throw a wrench into your argument there. Okay. What if they end up doing something like the Steam Shield or something like that? The Steam Box? Yes, thank you. Um, I expect it to be similar, except Atari, right? So the big difference there is going to be the Steam Box is just Steam games, which are essentially what? PC games. Yeah, but it's basically just a stream streamer to your right. console, you have which to, is kind of silly. It is. $400 or 300 bucks to stream. This is dedicated, though. So this is going to be... Yeah. You have the games on the console. Now, I'm looking at the at the images here. I don't see a place to put in a disc, disc. Yep. or anything like that. Um, you know, it's got Ethernet on the back. I'm assuming it'll have a wireless option, too, of course. But I don't see any type of slot for games. Now, maybe it's just the images because these are concept designs or something like that. But is it possible that this will be the world's first all digital home console. You know, that's for for me personally, that would be uh, a bold move, but a bad idea. People are attached to the game; they want a physical game. And you also, when you're talking about building a console like this, you probably want to build bridges with the people who are selling your game, yeah. your console. So you probably want to keep them in business by s- selling physical games that they can sell as well. So I feel like we just can't see it. Maybe that triangle, the the, the dome, like lifts up, <laughs> like an maybe old it levitates. You know? <laughs> no, I I really do think that uh, the dome, thinking about it more, lifts up slightly, and you just insert the disc. Who knows if it's even a disc? Uh, I mean, you make a good point, right? The switch has cartridges, so maybe it's gonna do. Maybe that's how that runs. How cool um, would it be if the games came on a USB drive or something? Well, and it has four USB ports, which seems like a lot, but maybe that's for wired controllers. Um, See, that's that's the part that I'm throwing off. No other system has four. Nobody has four. Every, you know, um, the PlayStation and the Xbox have two, two. each, right? Yeah. Um, the Switch has one in the dock. And not yeah, even, I was going to say, even, like, not yeah, It has on the USB-C the on the bottom. Um, but what's interesting, what, so to your point, I, I don't want to see it go all digital because of the lack of physical games. 
I don't want to see that because the hard drive space isn't going to be there for there too. it. Yeah, that's an even better point. Because if you look at this current generation of consoles, the PS4 and the Xbox One both launched with 500 gig hard drives. They're both now up to a terabyte. Which is okay. insane that we need that. But when a game like Halo 5 is over 50 gigs... Exactly. You know, these games are massive. Some of the newer games are even 60. They're pushing 60. So... That means that on launch, when, when the Halo 5 came out, that game took up 10% of the Xbox's hard drive. Isn't that insane? Not including the, uh, the OS in there, too. So it started to limit people, and then they, have, of course, expanded it to a terabyte. The Switch, on the other hand, only has 32 gigs. So all, not all, most of my titles are cartridges on the Switch. Which would be a smart investment. Because I just don't want to worry about it. it when exactly. There's the, when there's a digital-only title, I want to have the room for it. Absolutely. Um, but for the Atari box, if they're going with a PC-like structure, maybe it'll have a terabyte to start. Maybe it'll have a swappable hard drive. Maybe it'll have some type of cloud storage system because the classic games are going to be so small. I mean, you know, there's this image floating around the internet of the very first screenshot of Super Mario Brothers. And the picture, the JPEG, takes up more space and memory than the entire original game did. So these are tiny games that we're talking about yeah. if, if you go back far enough. Uh, if this comes out with a terabyte hard drive, you're going to need some serious RAM to go along with that. So is this going to be an 8 gig RAM system? But again, a 12 we're gig RAM price. system like the Scorpio? Because now, yeah, now you're pushing the $400 price range. Where, where are we? Yeah, exactly. Then then the, it actually, when they release the specs, we will know where they stand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> like, true. Because that's where you're figuring out, like, who's your target? Who's your target and who are we battling? And you push those kind of specs... You're going up against the Giants. You're going yes. up against Xbox and, so, and PlayStation. That will be really telling. So we don't know yet. We'll let you guys know when we do. I do think that the timing is perfect with the new Blade Runner movie. They, <laughs> they have the giant yeah. Atari symbol in there too. And I, I, I don't, um, I don't probably don't think there will be. There probably will be a cameo <laughs> minus of an Atari sitting on in, yeah in Harrison Ford's absolutely alcove place. No, that'd be funny. That'd be funny. Yeah. Maybe there'll be, maybe there will be a Blade Runner twenty forty nine edition of the Atari box with Harrison Ford's face on it. Oh my god, <laughs> I would totally buy that. And then there's like a, then they release like a, a Grand Theft Auto, but instead it's like Blade Runner. Yes, <laughs> Auto version. How I like awesome it. would that be? I like it. Yeah, right. And you get to play Ryan Gosling. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. I'm pretty. Or good Harrison with that. Ford. I would totally play that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, think of GTA 6, Replicant. Oh, I'll take it. Yeah, all right. All right, well, I think that's it for the Atari. So, John, why don't you tell us about what's going on in the world of Sony? Well, Sony is getting ready to release one of their newest updates. Uh, this is supposed to be the big one, is what they call it. It's uh, 5.0. And basically... They haven't given us any details as to what they're planning on doing, but they're opening up a sign-on beta. They're basically asking people, can you test this for us? We need feedback. So it kind of scares me. I'm kind of worried as to how big is this update and um, you know, why, why is it so big that we need people to test it? Because I felt in the past they've just kind of internally tested and rolled it out. And all of a sudden now we're like, we need people to test this. So... Um, there are a couple clues that lead us to believe that they're working on some kind of new interface with the PlayStation Now because they're actually not directly requiring a PlayStation Now. And that's the subscription service that allows you to play older games, mm. kind of like what Xbox is doing. Um, they're not coming out directly and you, saying you mean, you, need, you, mean, you, mean Xbox. you mean PS Plus, right? Is that what you're talking about? No, PlayStation Now. Okay. PS Now is what it's called. Plus is the subscription for... Uh, Just the online. Exactly. Platform. Yeah. PS Now is a separate thing. But um, they're actually they're not directly saying it's required, but they're definitely saying you should have it. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're kind of curious as to, as to know what they're planning here. Um, I wonder if they're launching, because Microsoft has had this for a long time now. Mm -hmm. They have a preview program. And if you're part of the preview program, you do get access to Xbox updates before everybody else. So, for example, when they were launching this uh, 
Microsoft has their new kind of streaming service, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, Xbox Unlimited or whatever it's called. You got access to that early if you were a preview member. Um, the backwards compatibility for the 360 came to preview members first. So maybe that's what hmm. they're doing here is they're basically creating a PS4 preview. And if you want to sign up for it, you can. And if you don't, you don't have to. Um, I, I like it because I enjoy I enjoy doing things in beta. You know, I like being able to test it and see how things began and then see where they end up. You know, uh, right. for example, I, I, I started playing Star Trek Online, which is the MMO for Star Trek, back during its original beta. And to see, to log in today and see what the game looks like today, I mean, it's a totally different world. It's it's changed so much over the years. So it's kind of cool to see it's where it came from. At the same time, you get early access to features. And if they're cool features, you get to use them before everybody else. Yeah. And yeah. they're not charging for that. They're being so. very quiet and hush about what the features are. We just know that their, clo- their beta is closing here in the next couple weeks. So it's... Nothing crazy to be alarmed about. No crazy news other than that they're getting ready to launch a, a big update. So if you're a PS4 owner, um, get ready to do a, a huge update. I hope it's interface. I, I like the interface, but it could use an update. I would like some like, new social uh, media features. I'd like some new features for chatting. So we'll see how that works. I like the simplicity of the UI, so I hope they don't try and muddy it up a bit. Um no, just quick widgets. I, I would like widgets personally. I think wi- like more. I know that's more PC like. Yeah. But it's very nice. They're already doing this. Um, do you stream Hulu on your PlayStation? Right. No, I did on the Xbox. So on the Xbox, when you're watching some of your uh, shows, does it sometimes ask you pl- press X or A right now to be directly sent yeah, to this link? It does. Yes. So in my in my opinion, like it's kind of already giving you like a. So it's like a direct link, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a direct advertisement. It's, it's, it's supposed to be kind of an interactive ad, and the idea exactly. being that if you like that or you're interested in it, you can immediately learn more, which from an advertising perspective and marketing is very smart. It's cool. I like that. Um, I do like that Hulu lets you sometimes pick between ads or styles of ads. I do appreciate that. Um, but yes. the reason that I prefer playing games on my PS4 to games on my Xbox is because the PlayStation 4 is so well streamlined for gaming. I don't want them to, to muddy that up the way the Xbox is. The Xbox is a great entertainment machine. Mm-hmm. It is not the best gaming machine. I can understand that. And it's because of all the overhead. I mean, it's running Windows 10. You've got a million apps that are on it. And while a lot of those apps are available on the PlayStation, it's all still much better streamlined UI than the Xbox. There's just a lot of overhead. And that's also where the, the Switch succeeds. It's an incredibly streamlined UI. It's very, very simple. Basic. Uh, I'd like a little more there. I, course, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a little too basic. It's a little too basic. <laughs> you know, you gotta kinda, and I think the PlayStation finds that nice medium for right. a gaming rig. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just so. really curious to, to know what's so big that we need people to test it. Well, I mean, they, they did it for the 4.5 update. So it's not like totally unprecedented. The fact that they called this the big one. Yeah, well, I mean, so for those unfamiliar with software versioning, um, you know, you look at something like, oh, Windows 10 and Windows 10. But if you remember back to Windows 8 and then there was 8.1, well, every decimal place that you, every decimal number that you add um, decreases the significance of that particular release. So if you have a product that's, say, version 9.8.7.62, is a minor upgrade. Right. Right. But when you move to version 10, that's considered a massive version change. So, you know, version 4.5 was not as big of a jump, but 5.0 is considered a, a massive version change. So in the software world, that should mean some significant feature differences. Right. Whatever those are. It's a large leap. It is. Yeah. 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 So that makes sense. Yeah. Good. That's, I mean, that's what we all we have really to look forward to from... Um, yeah, from PlayStation currently, Sony. For those of you who haven't spun up your Wii U in a while because you've been <laughs> playing the Switch, um, there was actually a software update for the Wii U this past week. First one in 18 months, 16 months, over a year. It had been over a year since the really? Wii U received a software update. So it's just stability thing. So if you still play your Wii U, um, I would take it because <laughs> it's just going <laughs> to make it a smoother experience. 
You know, they're still developing games. And There's they a couple said third, they were going to stop. Well, third-party games. Nintendo has ah, stopped. Yeah, yeah, you're Nintendo right, you're is right. done. No, you're uh, totally right. But, I mean, dude, uh, D- Just Dance yeah, is that putting was... out a Wii title. See? Not Wii U, a Wii title. Just Dance, <laughs> number one, I don't play those games. But number two, these games keep coming out, like, all the time. Yeah, every like, year, even for PlayStation 3, I think there's a there's, Just There's a Dance. Just Dance every year. But the Wii will be the oldest console given the game. That's a 2006 console. So, I think, yeah, Ubisoft uh, is creating a game for an 11-year-old console. I think it's a terrible I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's an incredibly simple port from the Wii U to the Wii or vice yeah, versa. But is probably what it is. They probably don't take advantage of the Wii U The cost to manufacture those discs is just silly. <laughs> I can't imagine it's super expensive. But, yeah, uh, but you're banking on making sales. <laughs> hey, I, I guess people are still buying them. There's a lot of people out there that had the Wii. The Wii was an incredibly successful console. The Wii U was not. So right. un- until the Switch really takes over... Um, once they can meet with demand as far as production is concerned, the Wii's still going to have people playing it, I think. Especially without the Virtual Console being on the Switch. This just in, will, will Nintendo ever create enough Switches for people to buy? Yeah, <laughs> in like a year and a half. Right? It's like you should have known, guys, when, when your pre-order sold out in like a day. You yeah, should have known. Well, they, they immediately <laughs> tried to double production. So they're working on it. But the yeah. thing is, is that the Switch stands to sell more in its first fiscal year than the Wii U in its entire lifetime. That's insane. So, That's you know, insane. something you know, to consider. It's not an easy thing for them. And they're, they, they're still putting out the SNES Classic, which, of course, takes factories to build as well. They filed a new trademark that has people thinking there's going to be an N64 Classic, which... I would, if, you okay, know... If this is the one thing that I have a problem with these classics. Please have a cartridge slot. But that's the point, is they don't... That's not I what these know they are. don't want you to. That's not what these are. But if you did that like like Sega did, yeah, you would have but, more money. And, okay, so and retro, this, doer, retro doers, retro duos <laughs> are now capitalizing on the cartridge thing because they don't offer it. But anything. this is Nintendo, being Nintendo. I mean, we can segue this into the Splatoon conversation. So <laughs> you okay. can say, but look, Sega did... The thing is, oh, Sega works much more like a normal company. <laughs> And Nintendo doesn't. Nintendo has survived by being weird. Yeah. That's the truth. It's the honest truth. Love it, hate it, somewhere in between. Nintendo still exists today. And the Switch exists today because they do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> I mean, you're right. They definitely do the weird... Like any For any of, the, any of you that watch the uh, Switch reveal... Uh... Right? They come out on stage yelling and antics and all sorts of crazy stuff. They're very different, and and you know there are some cultural differences, of course, because yes. they're they're ha- handling this completely out of Japan, right? Right, and then they they pass stuff off to Nintendo of America, Nintendo well, Europe, and so forth. But you know, Microsoft and Sony have taken things much more seriously than Nintendo ever has. Nintendo's always been games are supposed to be fun, supposed to be a toy. And Microsoft and Sony are trying to compete for the next Call of Duty, and it's just, it's a different it's a different strategy. Yeah. Now sometimes you get the successes like the Wii and the Switch. Other times you get a Wii U, or in this case, the fucking communication system set up for the Switch. And let's talk about that just for a second because I want to vent. So, <laughs> well, yeah, Splatoon Two hits the market today. If you're listening to this podcast on release day, so Friday, July 21st, Splatoon Two hits the streets. Right. It'll be the first game to support Nintendo's new online app, their smartphone app that allows you to join uh, essentially chat rooms to communicate with your friends while playing the game, so you can coordinate. Now, I know what you're thinking. For like a decade, you've been able to do that from your PlayStation and from your Xbox. And you're right, but you've never been able to do that from a <laughs> Nintendo console. Even on the Wii U, games that had multiplayer like the GoldenEye game, you couldn't talk to each other. So this is the first time Nintendo is trying to do this. And every time the internet is involved, Nintendo goes crazy and doesn't know what to do. <laughs> it's so true. So rather than saying, well... Sony and Microsoft have built in audio communication systems and protocols to handle that on the console. Well, we don't want to do that. Now, a lot of people are speculating, and I do agree, 
that they're trying to leave as much off of the Switch as possible. To not push push that hardware any more than the game has to. I understand that. And I do respect that. But let me just paint a picture for you. Close your eyes. Alright? Because this is, this is not an easy thing to picture. <laughs> so you have your Switch. And let's say it's on the dock because you're playing in your living room. And you're in the United States and you sit about nine feet away Where from your TV. a lot of people would sit. Yeah. And you're sitting there with your Pro Controller, your Joy-Cons, and the grip. Cool. Next to you, you have your cell phone with the screen on because your phone has to be unlocked at all times for this to work. Your battery burning away as your screen is brightening up the room. Now, plugged into the phone is a basically a splitter. Yeah. One end, which is wired, goes all the way the nine feet back to the Nintendo Switch and plugs into the console. The other cable, also a wired cable, goes to the headset that you are wearing. And that is how you will communicate with your friends in Splatoon 2. Too many damn cords. <laughs> going too many damn places. It makes no sense because no, if, it's, if you're playing it docked, it makes no sense at all. If you're playing it in, in handheld mode or tabletop mode, it makes more sense, but still not a lot. And the fact that you're required to use a smartphone is going to create a lot of problems. Because here's here's a few. First off, it's going to burn the hell out of your battery, which is a problem I have anyway. Not doing uh, this as as our phones get bigger and more more the, powerful, and the, they the batteries more juice. don't. Yeah, exactly, they require more juice. But Nintendo's main demographic are younger people, right? And I would imagine that there are a lot of kids under the age of say fourteen who want to be playing Splatoon 2, who do not have a cell phone of their own yet. Now look, if you, you have kids out there, you're listening, and you are in that age bracket, and you have a cell phone, that's fine. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. My kid would have one too. I'm, but my point here is that most probably don't. Right. From a financial perspective, phones are not cheap. And families, a lot of families, have to decide, what are we buying? And I'm sure that a lot of them want to make their kids happy and are trying their best to get a Switch because Nintendo focuses on kids more than the PlayStation and the Xbox do. Right. But a lot of these kids are not going to have a phone. So they're going to have to use their parents' phone. They're going to have to use mom's phone, dad's phone, whoever's phone, uncle, aunt, whatever. You're going to have to use their phone to to play this game. Well, what if they get a phone call? What if they get a text? What if they need to send an email? You know, um, we don't really know what this is going to be like because the app just launched like two days ago, and the only game that works with it just came out. So (laughs) it will be coming out. Yeah, exactly. So we don't really know. It's just convoluted, and it's a mess. And uh, I I think it's terrible. Um, The fact, I I don't know how the app's going to function. I assume it's going to be Bluetooth, some proprietary Bluetooth-type thing. No, it's all wired. That's the thing. The whole thing is wired. There's, it's not communal. You know, we could play the game. No, what I'm saying, though, is we could launch the Nintendo app tomorrow. Or today, yeah. if you're listening today, and we should be able to communicate through there, right? Without the headphones. I, my, my impression was that we could use the um, phone microphone to communicate, no? Through the app? You, maybe, yeah. maybe you might be able to, but it's only through the app. It's not through the Switch. Exactly. So, so there's no Bluetooth. Why are we even... Well, you, don't, you wouldn't have to be corded, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but if you're just it's as if you're on speakerphone. That's all. Exactly. That is. Yeah. That's what I would say. Why are we why are we doing that? Why are we turning our phones into you're basically making a call and what well, if there's so, no reception? Like well, what you, do you, you do? I, I assume you can be on Wi-Fi in that case, but and the, the whole reason the cord is connected from from the device to the switch is so that way the in-game audio can be routed through the headset. That's ridiculous. Now, and the headset looks ridiculous. If you want to, ask well, that's me. it's a third-party headset, so that's yeah. that's you know that, that's not on Nintendo. But the app convolution, is, that's all on Nintendo. But um, one thing I want to point out is, you might be saying to yourselves, but the DualShock and the Xbox One controllers have headphone jacks built in right at the bottom of them, and you're absolutely right. But you know what doesn't have that? The Switch Pro controller and the Switch Joy Cons. None of the Nintendo controllers have that right. built in, so you can't do that. You it's have on the top of the machine, top so, of the switch, it's on yeah. the top of the switch. So um, I don't know, but we're gonna move on, guys. It's just annoying. Listen, if you're listening, drop us a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. <laughs> Seriously, we'll leave the link in there for you, so you can take a look at this article and tell us what you think. It's so crazy. 
Um, I, look, I pre-ordered Splatoon 2, so I will be playing it. How I'm going to communicate with my teammates, I don't know yet. You won't be. I'll, I'll probably get on like a Discord chat on my laptop. Or I was going to say, there's probably a chat somewhere that you could use uh, within that. But I'm very curious to see what the hell this is about tomorrow, yeah. right? Yep. Because we'll, we'll, people who don't have Splatoon should still be able to download the app. Yeah, I, I already downloaded it. Oh, you've you, already done you it? You can't okay. do anything. Right, right. So that, that's the only I thought you could... I must have misunderstood, and maybe, or maybe they're re- releasing this later. I thought you could add friends. Yeah, no, no, that was not um, explained properly. It it made it seem like that was an option. I think what they meant because I is, thought the same thing in the game. You can add friends to the chat. Is I think what they meant to say, and instead it sounded like you can just friend people from the app, and that's, which would make sense. Which would be I mean, cool because yeah. I mean the Xbox app does that, and the and the PlayStation one does that. Well, so. and, and it's not like people don't have their own ID, so right. I don't I don't understand it. It's a little weird because Nintendo's late to the party, so they've seen how the other two big shots have done this for years, the last two generations, and it's gotten better um, from those two companies. I mean, the way it is today is better than it was yeah. ten years ago. I'm not saying that they've been stagnant or anything, but Nintendo should have gained something from all of their work. Absolutely. Um, the last piece of news I want to cover, because we have to get to our main topic, <laughs> yeah, is a really cool thing that uh, I found. This, this article is from Kotaku, so I want to give credit where credit is due. But this is really cool. There's a service called BLD. And this service is um, basically helping you learn what you need to build a computer for the games you want to play. That's easy. I have a Derek. So Derek, <laughs> Derek helped me build a PC if you guys are listening from the beginning earlier in the year. So this this, this little uh, service is, uh, is not needed for me. <laughs> but, but it's a really, really cool, cool idea though. Very so cool like idea. basically what this, ha- what this has is it's got a list of available games. Now right, right now the list is kind of short, but I imagine it'll get longer. And you select the game. So, I mean, they've got a bunch of stuff on here. Tomb Raider's on here. Uh, WoW is on here. You've got uh, Heroes of the Storm and Battlefield and Overwatch and Diablo. Some big the, titles, The too. Witcher, Fallout 4. There's some good stuff on here, right? Yeah. You select the game that you want to play. And then it outputs the, st- the stats you need, the, types, the type of hardware you need to play this game at the most affordable level. Not top of the line. Yeah. Not bottom of the line. The most affordable level. Which is really, really cool uh, because basically it tells you what the system requirements are and then it gives you it gives you different budget items. So that way you can select a budget and it'll tell you, you know, what you got to do. So uh, I'm just going to you know read a bit from this article. Go for I, just, it. I just think it's interesting. So, I think it's great. Uh, the article's on Kotaku by uh, Mike Fahey, so you can check that out. There, but basically it says here, uh, quote, for the purposes for the purpose of this article, the BLD folks gave me a coupon good for anything from the shop to be returned afterwards. So I could have so I could have gone balls out here, but balls out is boring. I wanted something more modest, something in the one thousand dollar price range. Boom, here's a one thousand one hundred and twenty four dollar system, along with the estimated frame per second, uh, each of my chosen games will achieve a nineteen twenty by ten eighty resolution, yada yada yada. So um yeah, it does a really good job of showing you can select multiple games, you can select your budget, and then it'll give you uh, what you need to do. So for people out there who may not know how to build a computer or want to learn, but there's just, you walk into Micro Center or Tiger Direct or you go on Newegg and there's just a million components everywhere and you don't know what to, what to do, this is a great place to start because it's going to help you build out that machine for you. And it's it's going to be a, a more unique experience. You're going to feel more connected to the computer if it's something that you put together. And it's really neat. I mean, these things range quite a bit. Um, you know, by being able to put your uh, your budget in there, you can really get what you want. So I'm actually going to play around with this. Uh, later in the year, I'm going to build a new computer. And I'm going to use this and see how it compares to what I would have done That's otherwise. That's cool. I like that. Because um, I'm going to do my own research first. I'm going to pick out essentially what I want, give or take. And then I'm going to do this. And I'm going to see how close they are, see if I found anything better or they did, and kind of compare it. So. See, but like, um, I, I guess it'd be kind of like stocks and bonds, right? Is there like a, uh, a modest, aggressive, and then stable? It's more of just the price ranges. Right. But so like, you, what if you're aggressive and you're like, I want the best? Like, is there a, a sliding bar that you're like, I want the best? And your budget's not an issue. I don't know about that. I think it's more of a budget thing. You so if decide. I put five grand in and I want to play Overwatch, which everyone knows Overwatch is very minimal. Well, but, but here's the thing, though. You can play Overwatch at insanely high FPS. 
and uh, that's and, true. And, and 4K resolution. So if you want to play Overwatch at the top of its absolute ability, yeah, you're gonna have to spend a lot of money on the computer yeah. to do that. But you don't have to because it's Overwatch. It's not. It doesn't need that, in my opinion. I know there's some people out there that hmm. the idea of playing a game under 100 frames per second is crazy. I, I just but... want to say this. I just want to say this. Once uh, there was a great article I was reading. Once upon a time ago, I cared a lot about my frames per second and less about my my quality of resolution. I would rather have more frames per second. Once I let go of that frames per second standard, I enjoyed my games. Guys, let the FPS go. <laughs> Look, Enjoy the quality of the game and the resolution that you can play at. You can see sweat on Tracer's butt if you want to. <laughs> like, I mean, or, or on Widowmaker's butt. Whatever you want to see. <laughs> it, it, it depends on the person, right? And it depends on the, on the hardware that you have. If you don't have a monitor that can support the high frame rates and the high resolutions then it doesn't really matter what your PC can output. Absolutely. Derek um, drilled that into my mind, and I, I finally yeah. let go. That's what it comes <laughs> down to. I mean, it's the truth. Yeah, okay, so you want your PS4 Pro, or you want the uh, the Scorpio. Do you have a 4K TV? Because if you don't have a 4K TV, you then you're not going to get that. It's you know, You're only going to get the 1080 that the TV can pump out. Um, so this is the same thing. You have your budget. What do you want that budget to be? Keeping in mind, you have to have a monitor that can handle what you're going to be putting out. And if you end up buying a computer that puts out 114 frames a second and 4K or whatever, for, or you know, 104 um, or 1440p, whatever whatever that ends up being, can your monitor handle that? That's Absolutely. the question. Yeah. Because if you're just throwing it on a TV, then you might not, and uh, well, you, might still, be, yeah. you might be wasting some money. That's yeah. all I'm saying. So. All right, man. So let's do this. We've been, we've been BSing for like a half an hour. So talk to us about this main topic. All right. I'll just jump in there. So we're, we want to talk about – we're talking about cooperative games, guys. Yeah, as you know, Switch has made a strong push towards bringing co-op back. So this naturally – this topic came up. It's like what happened? When did our systems lose cooperative play? And we're talking local co-op. We know online co-op exists, yada, yada, yada. We're talking local couch co-op, okay? Um, Derek, hit them with the history. All right, so for people who don't remember, there was once a time, many moons ago, where <laughs> buying a console meant that you got two controllers in the box. This was the original Nintendo and the Super Nintendo and many of the Sega consoles as well. You would get two controllers, one for you, and one for your sibling or friend or whoever. And things were great. This was standard. It was standard. It was totally yeah. standard. And it was meant to be that way. That's why you had Mario and Luigi on day one. These games were meant to be a social experience. Now, there have been what can be considered cooperative or multiplayer games almost the entire history of video gaming. Um, we can go all the way back to the original consoles, the original releases, and find games that are considered cooperative games. So if we go all the way back to as early as 1981, there was a game called Wizard of War. It was uh, available for the Atari 8-bit and the 2600, the Commodore 64. It was in arcades. And it uh, it had local a local two-player play in 1981. And of course, you know I, we know as, as time goes on that Nintendo brought that with Mario. Mario brought the original Mario Brothers, not Super, just regular Mario Brothers. Right. And ice climbers and things like that. Um, Gauntlet in 1985, which was a classic title that's you know had had several sequels over the years, continued to have that type of play. Now, what's really important though is when most people think co-op, they really think that you're talking about first-person shooters. That's what everybody thinks when they think. I don't. No. What do no. you What do you think of when you I say co-op? I immediately think of platformer. Immediately, my mind goes. With so you think Mario. No, I actually think more of like Contra, uh, like yeah, like Contra. Okay, that, that's okay. exactly more like what I think. <laughs> yeah, Contra. Contra's a great one. Contra's yeah. a great one, and that's an original Nintendo game too. Another two-player Nintendo game. Um, I think a lot of people think first-person shooters because of the success of Halo. Right, that is true. So now there was there was 
other games. Well, you forget like some Goldeneye. Well, that didn't have that did not have. Co-op. I guess it. It only you're right. Had it wasn't campaign co-op. Yeah. So this is when we talk about the different well, types of co- it, uh, co-op. In my opinion, co-op has to be campaign. Otherwise, it's just multiplayer. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Yeah. No, right. that's a good, fair. So extinction. Mario Kart is multiplayer. Right. Right. Um. So. I do want to point out that probably the biggest game that really kicked this off would have been the original Doom. So I'm not forgetting yeah, Doom. Yeah. Uh, no, 1993. It. I mean, it had land play, and it was just a, a really significant advancement in PC gaming. That did not transfer to consoles for a little while from that level, but the original Halo was probably what did it in for everybody because the original Halo had local co-op. You could go through that original Halo campaign. Somebody has Master Chief and the other person has not Master Chief. (laughs) (laughs) Which is weird. Or whatever. Um, But as another Spartan. As another Spartan. Yeah. And then other other games had this too, of course. Um, You had, uh, you know, uh, Quake and Half-Life and Gears of War. And everybody, everybody really from that I know enjoyed that being able to go through these campaigns together. I think if I had been able to play through the Gears of War games with, with somebody else doing local co-op, that would have been a ton of fun. But I didn't. I played those alone. So over time, it was determined that in order to push the limits of our consoles, we could not do split screen anymore, which is frustrating. And we lost local co-op on a lot of major titles including halo um and racing games forza 5 right for example did not have local co-op um see that's the fall in my opinion that's a it's a terrible decision because everywhere i see and and just the fact that we've grown up with so many games that have been local co-op you're 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 limiting your market immediately you're immediately cutting out half the market. I, I'm going to say half because there are that many people that want to play with their friends or family or whoever they like to play. But you're immediately cutting out your market to half. Okay, um, I understand they're trying to. There's probably more demand on developing something like that as well as. But like I, you said, using up. I don't think they were hurting demand because think of it like this: they kept co-op, but it was online co-op. So what that meant was, if you and I wanted to play. A campaign together, we each had to own it. So let me ask you this. That increases demand then. It does, but so that might be the new style, right? The new way of playing. I think people, most people, when they think of cooperative, they think of you sitting right next to me, us playing together. Well, I mean, that. And, and that might be because what, we're older. Right. Because I feel like the new kids now. Sorry. I feel like the new kids now just. I got my own, like, and they just, online is what they know. But, like, for us, which is a good the portion of us, and... I mean, we're, we're used to playing together in the same room. So, we're yeah, we love couch cooperative gameplay. Right. But cooperative just means that you and at least one other person are working together through a series of events. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in that definition... We still have co- Halo Five is a cooperative game, but you have to do it online with somebody else who owns the title. I don't like that, right? Um, and now Microsoft has backtracked and has said that Halo Six will include local co-op again. Why do you think they made that decision? I think they made that decision for two reasons. One, I think people were upset. I think absolutely. I think a game that. I mean, Halo basically brought the LAN party to consoles. Right. Okay? LAN parties existed in the computer world, and yeah, a bunch of us would get together and play GoldenEye, but just with one console. Right. Um, Halo was the first time where you could bring four Xboxes together in a room, wire them all together through, you know, a, a Switch or a router, and get 16 people playing at the same time in the same room (laughs) right and you know you got each team's got a spy trying to scream watch and you're throwing you're throwing shit at each other uh that was halo halo did that and halo took that away in halo 5 i think that microsoft realized that people were upset about that but i also think it's more than that so do you think that hurt their sales sorry i just want to get back to the market thing you cut your market down i don't think it hurt their sales 
because it forces more people to buy the game. I don't think there are many people out there who went, oh, it doesn't have local co-op. I'm just not going to play it. I don't think there's a lot of people out there that said that. Now, look, if you're listening out there and you said that, you have to shoot us an email. <laughs> I, I kind of said that. Go so. contact at heroespodcast.com. Like, I'm going to give you a example and then you can continue your rant. Okay. Sorry. No, no, you're good. That's you're like good. making Gears of War and going, well, yeah, there's a team of people you're rolling with, but you, no one can play them. You're just going to play by yourself. That's stupid. But there are games that do that anyway that never had. And I want, that's what I want to talk about. Uh, games that should have had it, but that's a little later. <laughs> that's a little later. Well, so I think the other reason, though, is that the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X are both a little bit stronger than the initial Xbox One. And developers have had more time with this hardware. They understand it better. And the better you know the hardware you're developing for, the more efficiencies you can find, the more tricks you can learn, the better you can get, and the more tight those games become. Which is why games at the end of a console generation are sometimes even better. Because as those developers have been working with the hardware for years. Yeah. Yeah. Halo 6 will have the advantage that Halo 5 did not have. And because of that, I think from a technical perspective, they'll be able to pull it off. Because on the Scorpio, the X, people are going to want to do 60 frames per second. So they're going to want to do at least 30 frames per second on a split screen. Right. Right? I don't think they could have done that when Halo 5 came out. Let me ask you this. So this this kind of ties into what you're saying. At what point do you think, because it seemed, in my opinion, PlayStation 3, there were select, maybe, I would say probably for PlayStation 3. There was probably select titles. I can probably name 15 or 20, maybe even 30 titles total of the 100 games that were produced for PlayStation 3 that were actual local co-op. What point do you think local co-op stopped and why? I know you're kind of saying well, I don't, the machine capabilities, but the I don't, games that had those, what made those different? I, I think that it had to do with the, the, the birth of online gaming. The idea that we could connect 16, 32, 64, now 100 people in an online match was really alluring to a lot of players and to a lot of developers because it kept people playing those games. You kept getting DLC, you wanted to buy new armor and new weapons and well, Call of Duty new had maps, a big part of that. Right? You started having the map packs. Remember the map packs no, before for DLC sure. was really a thing? Yep. Um, that was that was huge, and I think that it pushed developers to say the campaign is not as important as the online play. That is definitely definitely the case for a lot of games. In my personal opinion, I think Call of Duty for a while there was on that kick. Oh, all of oh, our totally. money, all of our money is online. It's not so they were lacking like Black Ops. They were just lacking in their story because. It they, wasn't a priority. They didn't. They were just like, let you get through this so you can get zombies and you can play it online. Exactly. And, and that's the only reason they wanted you to do that. Um, I, but, but this is changing now because... It's coming back. It's... This, the, the, the premise of, of marketing a video game has changed from online multiplayer to um, games as a service. And games as a service is like Destiny. Games as a service is like Overwatch. Where you keep a game going for an extended period of time and you add content to it on a regular no, on a regular basis. World of Warcraft has been doing that for years. Yeah, MMOs are a little different. MMOs are kind of in their own category. They've had expansions, of course. So, but isn't that what Destiny is? Destiny is not an MMO. It's a fir- It's it's played as a first person shooter, but the premise of it is very MMO like. There are a lot of similarities in style. But I still would not categorize it as an MMO. No, I would not categorize I, it. I, I would consider it a an online game. So Because I, th- I think Destiny is closer. I mean, obviously there's a story and there's raids and things like that. But there's a, there's a little more similarity, I think, to the way Overwatch is handled than the way WoW is handled. See, I think one of the first games that did an online only, I don't know if you had a chance to play this, but it later became free, was the DC Online Universe. I never played that one. 
So I actually bought the game because at first they made it seem like you had to have the game, right? Yeah. And later on, months later, they decided that you could download the game. So it wasn't available on download because they didn't want you to have it that way. But anyways, that was like one of the first console games that did that. Mm-hmm. And it flopped. Yeah. So as soon as they made it free, <sighs> skyrocketed well, up right. all of the, the player free to, usage. Free to play is huge. And that's, that's the games as a service model in a way because you pick a game like League of Legends or Heroes of the Storm yeah. where people don't buy the game. They buy the characters. They buy the skins. They buy the mounts. Um, people pay for that kind of stuff. And I think that that's the direction everything's going is let's build a solid base and then build on that base for three to five years rather than let's build a game and the next year we're, we're going to build a game and the next year we're going to build a game because Call of Duty was basically doing that where every other year a different studio would just put out they a were Call just of switching. Duty game. Yeah, they would alternate. So there was a new Call of Duty and, every and year. And it was clearly obvious which... <laughs> Which uh, Sledgehammer was much well, right. better. It was yes. clearly obvious who was better at it. Well, and, and it's it has to do with why are you putting out the title, right? And the new model is we want you to play our game all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to play something else once in a while, fine. But we want you to come back to our game. It's just so counterintuitive. How can we like to play your game all the time when you come up with a new one every year? But that's what's changing, though. That's why Destiny was around for so long, and Destiny 2 will probably be around for longer, and Overwatch is set up the way that it is, and you've got Player Unknown, and um, there's Anthem that, that's um, yeah, coming out Anthem next year. Out. These games are designed to be games as a service, and games as a service is this whole kind of corporate speak term. And for those of you out there who hate you know terms like uh, synergize... <laughs> I hate them too, <laughs> but we have to use the nomenclature. I'm sorry. Uh, but games as a service is the buzz term in, in all the conferences and all the expos, right? That's what it is. And it, it, it follows in line a lot with the model of streaming, right? You've got Netflix and you've got Hulu and you've got HBO Go and now you're going to have CBS All Access. And um, I think even um, Boomerang is putting one out of old cartoons and stuff. These are services and you're paying for the services, Right? You're not buying a show. You're not buying a yeah. movie. So I think the idea for Destiny 2 is you're not buying the Destiny 2 campaign. You're buying the Destiny 2 universe that will have stuff added to it right. for probably five years, I would say. So you do think that, I mean, clearly that's a different form of online cooperative play, yeah. local co-op. Uh, excuse me, not local co-op. That's just co-op. We're talking local co-op, though. So do you think those type of games, which are still pretty scarce, there's really not that many of them. They will not have local co-op. For sure. Never. Never. Um, But I'm saying those games are still pretty small in numbers. I mean, we're talking 30, maybe, on console. Maybe less than that. But they're the big hitters. They're the AAA titles. But what I'm saying, though, is like even Call of Duty still has a a campaign that you can play cooperative. So local co-op, is that killing local co-op, you think? The games as a service? Absolutely. Yes. I think anything that drives the gameplay online hurts local gameplay. Because it's designed to not be local, is the whole idea. So every time there's a big title, like Destiny, that is designed to be an online-only experience, that's one fewer giant AAA title that has local play. So it's going to hurt that. Because these are all giant AAA titles. It makes me appreciate local co-op more. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Having a state... This is one of the biggest staples of local co-op. And we, we can go going round and round about it. But <laughs> what if you are in a hotel room without Wi-Fi? You can still play your local co-op. You can't play Destiny. Well, right, but... So I mean, that, that how was many... the biggest staples, is I can play with you right now in this room, we can play the same game, but we don't we, need internet connection. If we take the Switch out of the conversation for a minute, who's lugging around a home console to a hotel? I used to do it. I used to... But, you used to do it. First off, I never did it. Okay, listen. I had, you would okay, go to your friend's the only, house. The only console I took with me anywhere was my little PS1 that was designed for travel. Oh, so my The smaller gosh. one that you could get the screen for... I did take that Dude, one. I brought my PlayStation but 2 and Xbox everywhere. You brought your original Xbox? Everywhere. The big one. Giant. I know, the big one. So you're telling me that you would go <laughs> grab a, a, a launch Xbox One or a PS4 yeah. and actually take that on a trip? Not now, but 
in the back in the day I did. But what I'm trying to get at is the appeal to local co-op was that we didn't need an internet connection. We could I, play the game. I think for a lot of people it was the social aspect. And that's something Nintendo has really hit on is that games are supposed so, to be social. Let's talk about it coming back. Where okay. are you seeing, are you starting to see, do you think there's uh, an increase within the past couple years and uh, soon to come, an increase in local co-op? Not just Switch, but like Well, yes, a whole. because, you know, you've got the gear, you have Gears of War 4, you've got Halo 6 being announced that it will include local co-op. Um, I think that it's still rare, but there's some big name titles that are going to have it. See, like, uh, one of the biggest titles I think should be local co-op that isn't. Last of Us could easily be local co-op. But the question, though, is are we hurting the game experience when we do that? Um, I don't know. Because that's the major thing they say when, when, you, when everyone is like, what the hell? Why is it? Why can't, you're walking around with a character the whole time and you can't play as them? <laughs> like, I mean, Uncharted did that. You were with someone at all times. But you could never do local co-op. I think that that kind of depends. Because I think this is the same issue that you're going to see in um, the Mario Odyssey game. Just because there are two characters doesn't mean there should be two players. I think that in The Last of Us, you played the character that needed to be controlled at a given time. Because you did get to play... You, you did switch off. Yeah. yeah, so I think that it just really depends more on... So that's experience. The experience of the game. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's the thing. It's, it's, the, it's the experience of the game. It's the story that's being told. And I think that you have to be careful just coming up with ways for two people to play. Um, I think it was... I think it was Child of Light, I think, was the indie game that uh, that Ray and I were playing together. And she basically could, could only control this little light thing on the screen. And so that's I can, funny. And I control the main character. So Resident Evil did that. Um, uh, basically, did you see the Revelations games for a while there? There was oh, Revelations yes. yeah. 2. And there was uh, Chapters, right? And I purchased them all. The game was actually phenomenal. I liked it a lot. Um, but you had a side character... And the side characters, you can do local co-op, but the side characters were so useless. So, like, one of the characters was a little girl who can only point out. She, she had That's abilities. She had abilities, but she could only point out enemies. She couldn't attack them. Okay. So, do you think that makes it more challenging, or do you think that was just, like, well, we did it because we could. Like, it uh, wasn't needed for the game. I well, without, without playing single. them, without playing them, I can't. I can't say. I think that if the game is designed around it on purpose, it could be interesting. But if you shoehorn in a second player ability so you can say your game is two player, then you run into some some kind of shitty gimmicky gameplay. Right. And that, that's really my concern. I think it was borderline in that game. Okay, because like I enjoyed the single player just fine. Now, if I had, if the little girl absolutely sucked as a CPU, <laughs> and I was like, I need someone to play this girl, <laughs> that would be a different story. But the the gameplay was just fine, so I think that was one of those games where they just threw it in, and, and they gave her bogus abilities to make up for it. And that's very likely. I mean, if, if you think about how you market a game, saying that it's two player will get more people to buy it. Because there are people out there who have siblings or significant others or friends where you're splitting the cost of games and things like that. Where if it's not two-player, you can't get it. You didn't buy it. And that's why N64 was such a a big deal. Let's talk about Nintendo in general. You talked about the Super Mario Brothers. Nintendo has always... I I can think of like a handful of games that weren't cooperative. Local co-op. There are so few of those for Nintendo. And, they, and it's glad it's I'm I'm very happy to see them continue that on um, forward, and I think that's what's going to lead to the success of the Switch. Yeah, no, I I, I, t- I definitely agree with you there. I, I just think that it's just going to come down to in the industry what what the console hardware can handle. How's the Switch handling it perfectly fine? The graphics. It's, it's the graphics. I mean, think about it, man. It's still 1080p. It is 1080p, but the textures are not as complex. The animations are not as deep. If you think about a game like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe versus a game like Gears of War 4, 
Gears of War 4 won't would not be able to run in split screen mode on a Switch. It just wouldn't be able to. It you wouldn't know, look like the same game. So Mario Odyssey looks like it might have a little more complex textures. But Mario Odyssey life, is not split screen. Ah, that's right. And that's that's something that's that ha- the trick, right? So that's kind of like a loophole. It's 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 a, it's a bit of a loophole. I mean, there are some Diablo great, does it. Diablo I mean, does it. Gauntlet does it. There's some great uh, Rocket League. Yeah. Um. No, Rocket League is split. But uh, but there are some really great games out there where you're sharing a screen, and uh, it works on all the the, the platformers. All the Mario platformers that are multiplayer, starting with the Wii versions, um, where they just zoom in and out depending on how far apart you guys right. are. Um, that stuff can, can work really well, but you run into an issue of an experienced player with a less experienced player or players that don't coordinate well, and that it can create a bad experience. So split screen still gives you the freedom of moving around where you want to move around. And if you remember back on Halo Cooperative, if you go far enough where you, you pass a checkpoint, exactly, <laughs> the other player will teleport to you. Yeah, um, which was kind of a way for the game to not have to load too much. I, I agree with it, right? If somebody got behind, so we were already cutting corners in cooperative gameplay back in the original Halo game, and I think we've gotten to the point where the Xbox One and PS4 graphics demand so much of the hardware that. Splitting the screen equals compromises because if it's if it's hard to put out the textures at, at the frame rate and the resolution you want when it's just one of them, yeah, and now you've got two of them, right? So think about a game like Gears of War, right? You have a team of four people. So if two of you are playing, there are still two AI people that are in your group, and if you're both watching one of those AI people, the hardware has to produce double of that image, doing double of what it's doing. Can it do it? It can handle that, it. That's the question, right? And so I think that we're getting better at that as you know the developers are getting better at that, which is why Halo 6 will bring it back. But at the same time, the games as a service model makes it difficult because they're not making any more money off of local co-op. They're making money off of DLC, season packs, map packs, skins, armor, mounts, what what I'm trying to say though is the switch is model is the 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 game the thing is all about co-op and they're making more money off of that. Well, but we we, we don't have enough data. It's to, the party to, to know. game. You know what I mean? It's the game we want you to play with other people. But that's Nintendo. Nintendo has Mario Party, Smash Bros. But it's Mario making, Kart. So, but think about it though. Sony and Microsoft have never made games like that that have been successful. You're right. They have not. Right. Nintendo, like I said earlier in this podcast, Nintendo it just does whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> and people appreciate it because of the IP and the style that Nintendo has. But are you not saying that you bought Halo 2 because you were able to play with your friends? I did not buy Halo 2 for that reason. I bought Halo 2 because I loved Halo 1 and I wanted to see the story continue. And you wanted to play with your brother? No. I hated playing video games. <laughs> okay. My little my little brother uh, what I'm would saying chuck is, controllers. Okay. His brother's so. a bad example. <laughs> I played a lot of games, a lot of games, and a lot of the games I played were so that I could play with my siblings. But everybody's different, Because right? we shared a console. Sure. We didn't get no, it. We, we shared, we we shared, shared it too, console. but I wanted the story. And I didn't need somebody else to get the story. No, but... Hey, you get, you've got your little brother here. No. You guys are playing a story. I, no. I mean, maybe in your when, situation. When I got together with other people, we played multiplayer. Right. We didn't play co-op. But multiplayer is only fun with three or more. It depends on the game. Because yeah. starting in Halo 2, there was online multiplayer. Right. On console. So you could do that as well. So... I think that's a good place to end it. All right. We have discovered... <laughs> that the newer systems... Maybe maybe the Xbox uh, X will bring in a new generation of cooperative titles. Maybe. They have to be careful because everything that comes out for the X has to also be playable in the other Xbox Ones. It's a huge so, deal, though. That's a huge deal. Yeah, so if, they, if those can't handle it, then the Scorpio doesn't get it. And that's an important thing for people to remember when you're going out there and you're trying to decide, are you going to upgrade or are you, if you're buying it for the first time, which one are you going to get? You're not getting different games. 
you might be getting a higher resolution. You might be getting a higher frame rate sometimes, but you're not getting different games. And you got to remember that. So, um, but this was episode 25. Thank you guys for joining us. Don't forget to drop us a review on iTunes. We are still doing a contest trying to give away a game. We are just trying to give you guys a game. We want to give we you want the a cost, game. We want the contest to end so that we can give you a game already. So go out and <laughs> review us. When we reach 10 reviews on iTunes, we are going to randomly select one of you to win a free game. And we will contact you and then we will discuss what kind of game you would like so it's something you actually want to play. I mean, cooperative. I mean, we can make it happen. We can make it happen. <laughs> so... Hit us up there on iTunes. Go to heroespodcast.com. We've got links there. Or at Heroes Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will catch you next time on episode 26. Peace out. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.